How's it going, everybody? It is 8.31 on Saturday morning. Uh, recording on Saturday morning because of a large laundry list of factors that led to things being problematic. Uh, most notably, my voice was really scratchy on Thursday when I recorded my initial episode. I stuck to the schedule and listened to it, and it was awful. And I didn't want to subject you to that. So... <laughs> This is The Homeward Path. This is the show that I normally record on the way home from work. Uh, it's a show by me. My name is Adam. I'm a husband, a father of three, and I work a full-time factory job and somehow, someway, still try my best to find a way to make at least semi-competitive Magic the Gathering work. So if there's anything that I'm doing that I can share with other people that'll make your transition into this space easier, that's what I'm here for. So while we were away this week, we got our first kind of glimpse into the at least recent future of Magic with the with our first handful of spoilers from Eldraine, which I'm not going to dive deep. I'm, I'm not really going to talk much about the spoilers today. Uh, most of them are from the Brawl decks. There's a few that look like they could be competitively relevant, but I'm going to save that for another episode. Uh, the main thing I'm going to talk about is what the 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 year looks like because for the first time in a while we actually have a clear picture of what the entire calendar year between the release of Eldraine and the uh the the next standard rotation to happen a la we're going from October to October we know what that whole year is going to look like before diving into our main topic which is a tie-in to uh, Tuesday's episode of or I guess technically Wednesday morning's episode of uh, riding in cars with cards where we're going to talk about how the ripple effect created by ban list announcements, because I've been through a few of them and it, there's always a little bit more lurking beneath the surface than, than you first think. There's always something, something always catches people off guard. And if you want to be caught off guard, head over to our sponsor at inkgaming.com and be caught off guard by the incredible products at the reasonable prices that they offer to decorate your playing space. And if you use our promo code CCMTG10 at checkout, you can get 10% off that order and be even more caught off guard by both the quality and the completely reasonable prices. Just check it out. Do yourself that favor. And while you're at it, head over to ConstructedCriticism.com. Check out the content on the network that, that gives me a place to talk. Now, I will forever be grateful, even if, you know, Heaven forbid something happened down the line and I can't keep doing this, I'll forever be grateful for the opportunity to do so in the first place. And you can help me express that gratitude by just making sure everybody on that network feels how much we love the content here. And if you want to show me how grateful you are that, that, that I do what I do, you can head over to patreon.com slash homewardpathmtg. The show's always going to be free. But there are some some rewards for patrons if you choose to you know choose to jump in, and there are you know there there's a lot of things that I need to try to to try to improve the quality of the show. Most notably, a a better microphone for recording in the car because either a better microphone and or a better sound recording apparatus to mount in the car. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Tennessee has passed a law strictly banning the use of uh, of cell phones while driving in your hand. So 
the only way I've been able to counteract that is by mounting the phone on like an air vent. So if we can, you know, get get a camera that will mount and take, you know, video and audio without me having to fumble with it, that'd be great. Or if we can just, you know, get a better mic that I can that I can use, cut out some of the road noise, all that good stuff. We'll we'll figure it out, but those are the main patron goals, at least in the long term. In the short term, it's things like big event, you know, big event expenses. Thing, you know, if I if I get an opportunity to go to like a GP or something, it can help make it to where it's not a financial hiccup for the family if things don't go well. So, again, Patreon.com/slash/HomewardPathMTG. Show's always going to be free, but if you love what I'm doing and you want to help me keep making it. Please feel free to pledge. I will make sure it goes to a good purpose, either toward upgrading the show in the long term with better equipment or in the short term by just giving, you know, a, a big event or something like that for me to talk about. So all that out of the way, let's dive in. While we were away this week, we got our first glimpse of the future of Magic, at least for the next year. I'm talking, of course, about the set release um, schedule, for lack of a better term. We got a full, clear picture of the base sets that are going to come out in the next year, and oh my heavens, am I excited. Now, I'm going to pump the brakes before I go anywhere with this and say that we know literally nothing about these upcoming sets except the names. So anything that I'm suggesting may or may not be in the sets, that's really hard to, you know, there, there's, there's no way I can back that up. I am just guessing at, at, at best. I'm making a like semi-educated guess. So, you know, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt in that regard. But we've got, of course, we have Throne of Eldraine releasing in a month. Not even. And that set looks to be one that's, you know, innovative mechanics, powerful cards so far. Looks intriguing. Looks like it's going to be fun. The flavor is just a dead ringer for what they were trying to accomplish. The the vibe of like Brothers Grim Fairy Tales meets Arthurian legend is something I'm just here for. So like that's just, it, it looks good so far. Full, full stop, it just looks good. I don't want to, I don't want to go any further than that. We can talk about the cards later. But our, our release schedule after Throne of Eldraine. We have our winter set, our February set, is going to be Theros Beyond Death, which is a return to Theros with an emphasis on going into the underworld. Y'all remember who's trapped down there, right? Elspeth, trapped down in the underworld. It's a card people have been clamoring to, you know, see a reprint of for basic ever. Uh... The return to the land of gods and devotion, and you know, maybe maybe we get a spiritual version of Gideon or something. I don't know. Be cool. Even just you know, getting to getting to see the monument on not just the signature spellbook, rest in peace, but like a different version of another card to show the monument to you know heroic sacrifice or something like that. It'd be really cool. And of course, there's. A frenzy of people who are like, you know, well, we might see heroic come back. We might see 
uh, devotion come back. We might see, I don't know. What I do know is this is something we've been kind of clamoring for for a while. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Because I didn't play Theros the first time around. I saw it from afar. I was, I was, in, I was engaged because Brett was still playing. And like some of the cards looked cool. The devotion mechanic was interesting, if a little parasitic. And it was, it was just intriguing. But there's a difference between seeing it from afar and playing with it in your own hands. So I'm really excited about a return to Theros. The next set, the the spring slash early summer set, being the you know April early May set, is uh, Ikoria, Land of Behemoths, Lair of Behemoths. Just those last three words. My inner green mage is chomping at the bit to get in there and make something happen. For those of you who don't know, for the last couple of years, the decks I have struggled to convince myself to play have been green mid-range creature decks. I almost never play them. I love playing them when I do, but I almost never play them because I always feel like I'd be better served to be better, you know, to be able to beat them as opposed to playing them because I tend to have to play against them so often. But, you know, I've broken out of that mold in the last couple of years with decks like the, the, Big Teamer, I called it, Big Teamer Energy, where I was playing a little bit of both what I was doing in the main deck already with, you know, the Teamer Energy stuff. But then I was I was pushing a little bit harder on the, the power happy top end, the, the powerful four, five, and six drops. Notably the fact that I was playing six drops in the deck. This was before the rotation of Battle for Zendikar. And uh, it was before the rotation of Battle for Zendikar and Shadows over Innistrad blocks, and I was I had actually like cut the Sacred Cow of Long Tusk Cup from the deck, as you know I wanted to make sure my energy cards that I was still playing were really really impactful. And for me, the best way to start fast was just to slam down the cards that were really really hard to kill without you know generating some kind of value so we just wanted to jump from two to four really quickly so i was playing a bunch like six two drop mana dorks alongside the bristling hydra the glory bringers and the olvenwald hydra which would then go get you know lumbering falls and or wandering fumarole from the deck and between the mana creatures and the extra lands you could start to mount a very effective attack against the control deck like Hydra into Hydra into Lumbering Falls represented a two-turn clock in, in many cases, just on its own. So the, the idea of a set named Lair of Behemoths just can't help but get my inner green mage kind of really stoked for playing with big, dumb creatures. Everybody loves playing with big, dumb creatures. It's just easier to talk some people out of it than it is others, and I'm some people. Um... The next one we get is, of course, Corset 2021, which they are saying is going to be centered around Teferi. Bold choice. Uh, it's, you know, Teferi's definitely not been the source of two of the most hated Planeswalkers in Standard in the last year, uh, namely Hero of Dominaria and then Time Raveler, both being borderline oppressive as to how good they were for their mana cost. Both of them making huge waves in not only their Standard format, but modern 
modern in a big way, legacy in a smaller way, and just being all around outstanding, spectacular magic cards. That that is what it is. So you know, it's you know, to make the movie reference, a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for. Uh, but you know, again, we know literally nothing else about this set. We'll find out. And then last but not least, we have the next fall set, the set that'll kick off the next standard rotation, and the set that, above all the others on this list so far, has gotten the most speculation. And that is Zendikar Rising. Now, there's a couple of reasons to believe that this set is going to be wildly successful. First of all, I played during both of the other Zendikar's tenures in Standard. Through every single day that original Zendikar was legal in Standard, there was Zendikar, World Wake, Rise of the Eldrazi, and then through the twilight of Battle for Zendikar's tenure in Standard, notably Kaladesh Standard. Kaladesh, Battle, Shadows, and Amonkhet at the end. So, why, why, why go back? Well, it's wild, widely held that uh, Battle for Zendikar, despite being one of the best-selling sets of all time, you could argue that's largely due to the presence of the expeditions. You put the possibility of opening foil, alternate art, extended art, shocklands, fetch lands, and utility lands in a pack. Even if that you know, even if the odds are astronomical that you're going to get one, players are going to buy it because opening one of those is like just finding a hundred dollar bill tucked into your pack. That's basically what it is. You know, in the original Zendikar, it was you know, big adventure and priceless treasures, and the big promotion is they put like reserve list cards in random packs at a, at a much, much lower drop rate than the expeditions, but it got people excited. It got people clamoring for Zendikar packs. Well, now then, you know, battle for Zendikar oath, of the gate watch, we had the expeditions. Who knows what we're going to do with Zendikar rising. It's all, it's one set. We're not going to get it. You know, it's, it's one set, so it'll be open for about three months, three, four months, heavily, and then it'll start to taper off. Well, who knows what we'll get, if anything, regarding something like an expedition. May not get anything at all. Ain't no tell. But the other part of the speculation is over what kinds of lands are going to be in the set. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't get, don't get unreasonably excited to have fetch lands back in standard then have your hopes dashed because they've talked about wanting to remove shuffling as a mechanic on cards as much as possible. Cards like Elvish Rejuvenator are more the, the direction they're wanting to go with land search to dig deep into the deck and find one because shuffling takes time. Bear that in mind. They don't like designing cards that have a shuffle mechanic because shuffling takes time. They, they're they just now getting ready to kick off the historic format. And you know what's going to ruin the historic format? If we have fetch shock mana bases in it so it plays just like modern. 
because if historic plays like modern but with a weaker card pool nobody's going to play it they're just going to go back they're just going to get on mtgo and play modern you cannot create a unique play experience if the foundation of your format is exactly the same as your other eternal format so you know for all the the, the potential excitement surrounding it let's not let's let's pump the brakes on that real quick i don't think that's going to happen I'm not, I, you know, obviously I know nothing about it, but it would just be a very questionable decision for Wizards to do it unless they did like a, like a print run, another set of expeditions, or, you know, put them in promo packs or something like that as something you could earn just to help increase supply. You know, that, I don't know what I don't know what a good solution is to getting more getting fetchland reprints out there for players who need them without having to put them into standard. But I know they don't really want to put them into standard. They've mentioned that several times. They don't want to put fetchlands into standard again. So I don't know how they're gonna you know what they're gonna do with that. I look forward to finding out. I'm not gonna set my expectations anywhere so that I don't have them dashed. I would rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. And speaking of being pleasantly surprised rather than disappointed, let's talk about our main topic this week, which was the ban list update for modern. Well, standard and modern. I'm not gonna talk about the vintage one because I know nothing about vintage. I've never played vintage in my life. So I don't want to I don't want to try to pretend to be an expert on that. So for those of you who don't know, in standard, Rampaging Ferocidon got unbanned for a whole month. Stoneforge Mystic got unbanned in modern, and then we lost Hogak, Arisen Necropolis, and Faithless Looting to the 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 Banhammer's mighty swing. Basically killing the, the most powerful modern deck I've seen in a very long time. There's a couple of reasons for optimism, but rather than dive deep into like what modern's going to look like, why Ferocidon's good in standard, I don't want to do any of that. Because that's picture in time that's more related to what we do in riding in cars. For the evergreen portion of this, let's talk about the ripple effect of a ban list announcement on a format, and I'll cite some specific examples from throughout history. So at the epicenter, if you will, of, of the impact, we'll call it, you know, we'll, we'll visualize the ban hammer swing, the cards that get hit, that's your epicenter. Well, the obvious effect is on those decks that were using those cards. Because especially if those cards comprise a massive majority of the format, that's gonna that's gonna leave a hole. That's gonna leave players scrambling to figure out what else to play. So the removal of the cards from the format is the first and most tangible impact. When Teamer Energy lost Rogue Refiner and Attune with Aether, that was a huge blow to that standard format. Because Teamer, the, the Teamer Energy Shell, or just the Energy Shell in particular, Attune with Aether, Rogue Refiner, Long Tusk Cub, uh, you could argue Harness Lightning, but it was mainly the, the free energy cards along with what you wanted to do with them, right? So Attune with Aether, Long Tusk Cub, Rogue Refiner. 
they were they were the epicenter of the energy decks. Whether you were playing Teamer, whether you were playing Saltai, whether you were playing Four Color, that's what you were doing. So that was you know that was the most tangible impact when Hogak and Faithless Looting were first announced as banned. The first domino to fall was the dominance of the Hogak deck in standard. Not particularly close. I mean, the, the deck was just really, really powerful. You know, the first domino to fall when Jace and Stoneforge Mystic were banned from standard back in uh, 2011. Callblade became a mid-range deck. It didn't die because players were stubborn and it was the end of a standard life cycle. It was like the last set of events. Players just didn't want to change what they were doing. And we didn't have the, the level of information communication that we do now. But just the, the printing or the, the banning of the cards is the first domino to fall. It's the, the impact. It's what sets out the other ripples. The first real ripple is the other good decks get better, right? You know, decks that are just independently good, no matter what anybody's doing, decks like the, the red aggro decks, the classic green mid-range decks, whatever. Those are always the first ones to see kind of a surge in play. So that's, you know, that's the first thing, that's the first advantage, the first change in the format, if you will is the decks that were already good get better. Decks like Jund in Modern get better because Hogak's not part of the format anymore. Decks like, I don't know, you know Valakut in, well, we're not going to say Valakut. Uh, decks like the in the standard banning of uh, Jason Stoneforge. Decks like Mono Red get a lot better they just do it is what it is like decks that are just pretty you know pretty consistently doing a thing and doing it well are going to get better because they don't have something that does a more powerful thing or something that does what they do more consistently than you holding them down the next ripple out is the decks that were that that had potential that that had something going for them that maybe were getting held down by what the the decks that ended up getting banned do. For example, control decks when Emrakul when Emrakul the Promised End and then eventually Aetherworks Marvel and well by extension like. When, as soon as Aetherworks Marvel bit the ban hammer in standard last year, or two years ago, I guess now, as soon as Aetherworks Marvel got hit by the ban hammer, the, one of the most tangible differences to the standard format was that we saw real and honest-to-goodness control decks start to creep back into the standard format. Because Marvel was keeping them down. Which would you rather cast on turn four? Any spell out of the top six cards of your library or Glimmer of Genius? Which would you rather cast for six mana? 
any spell out of the top six cards of your library and have two mana left over to protect it. Or Torrential Gearhulk for Glimmer of Genius. It's not really much of a contest. So the Marvel decks were holding down a lot of the control players to the point that we started seeing more controlling spins on Marvel to be able to win the Marvel Mirror. But, you know, another good example being the, the mid-range creature decks when Jason Stoneforge got banned in Standard. There were no mid-range decks in Standard at the time because they were all just strictly awful against Callblade. The swords made it difficult to block with big, dumb green creatures. And despite the fact that we had some stuff going on, like, it just, it never amounted to anything because of how good, how much better than you, Jason Stoneforge, was. Like, what do you want to tap out for on turn three, four, and five? Dumb green creature, dumb green creature, or dumb green creature, value creature, big dumb creature, or go get this busted equipment, put this busted equipment into play, Jace the Mind Sculptor Gideon. One of these things is more powerful than the other, and it's pretty clear which one it is. You know, it, whether it's putting Batter Skull into play on turn three, which is just the best thing you can do as a mid-range deck against a bunch of aggro, the eventual, the last real ripple to fall, though, is usually what happens as the format evolves in the wake of a banning. Which is, after, after everything else has fallen into place, after players have, like, you know, the format has, sh has shaken back out into normal, you know, normal resonance, if you will, you know, settled back down. Uh... The last domino to fall, the last thing to make a big change, is what happens with sideboarding that eventually lets other decks back into the format. A really good example is what I'm seeing happening in Modern right now. Uh, the big change is what's happening in Modern right now. The... the Graveyard decks are largely being ignored in the wake of the banning. They just are. If you drop all the graveyard decks out of standard or out of modern, nobody's playing graveyard. Hey, you know when the, you know when the perfect time to play a graveyard deck is? Nobody's playing the graveyard. Hey, if you never have to play through leyline of the void, you're more powerful than basically any time you've had a more powerful deck. The positioning is as important or more important than anything else. So having access to that is going to be the key. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big deal going forward is the ability to know like when the right time is to go back to something that was largely considered not powerful enough based on the fact that the hate cards that were keeping it down eventually start to disappear as it stops doing well. So that's, that's kind of the last thing I want to keep in mind. That's, that's the last thing I want to talk about regarding the, the fallout from ban list updates. And with all of that out of the way, just remember, the first thing to happen, the first decks to see major changes are the ones that get hit. 
they either get a whole lot worse or they stay about the same as was the case with the the bridge from below and all the other you know bridge from below was a little slap on the wrist to hogak uh trying to think of another good one um initially just banning aetherworks marvel or a better a better analogy just banning emrakul the promised end was like a slap on the wrist to to aetherworks marvel decks so what you know the first domino to fall is going to be the ones that get hit then it's the other decks of the format that were already good get a little better there's some infighting between them. The next one, the next one to fall is the ones that were maybe kept in check by the by the dominant ones, or the ones that were good because of what was so dominant. They end up getting either a lot better or a lot worse. And then last but not least, the decks that were considered dead and gone due to the ban eventually get better if their linear strategy is still intact, but maybe the card that got banned was just an enabler. So just keep that in mind. There's there's a lot that goes into format design after a ban up after a ban list update. It's a it's an organic cycle. It seems to repeat itself every time. So try to stay just a hair ahead of it, and everything will be a little bit smoother for you. So with that, that's gonna be it for the that's gonna be it for the week. If you want to reach me, you can do so on Twitter. I'm at HomewardPathMTG. You can do so on Facebook. My name is Adam Spain. You can join the Facebook group, the Homeward Pathfinders. It's open invite. Uh, send a request. One of the admins will give you a look over and will probably just let you in if you start you know, posting a bunch of spam and nonsense. Probably going to be gone. Uh, if you're a patron of the show, you get access to the Patron Pathfinders Discord. If you want to join in the show every week, free of charge, you can do so by sending me hashtag... MTG dad jokes. It's my favorite part of the show every week. I love to laugh. I love puns. So, and I love magic. It's, it's all my favorite things in one place. So let's, let's look at our, our, our selection of MTG dad jokes for this week. Uh, first is at Nizahan magic says it's hard to believe black gets a better common than this one. Flavorful too. You see what I did there? And the card is bacon to a pie. It's two black, black, instant, destroy target creature, create a food token. <laughs> Flavorful because food. I love food. Maybe that's why I like Eldraine so much. I love food. Um, <laughs> uh, second one is from Steam Elephant. It says, found on the Reddits. So did, did uh, blah, 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 English broken. It says, did they announce the three-letter abbreviation for the next Theros set, or is it TBD? Because it's Theros beyond it. That's hilarious. <laughs> and then last but not least, from Lee Sharp, says, opponent casts Thorn Mammoth, kills my Crino. Says, me sings, why you gotta be so rude? Me, cast bacon to pie. Gonna turn you into food. <laughs> and then he tagged his wife and says, well, I married you for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Hilarious. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, no idea what I'm doing next week yet. So play it by ear. Uh, have a discussion. And just remember to... Pay attention to 
the goings on of your format. I, like it doesn't need to be said, but it gets said a lot anyway. So we'll catch you next week. And until then, have a good one.